welcome to our verse-by-verse -verse journey through Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew serves as a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In this Gospel, Matthew seeks to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. For those of us who aren't Jews, Matthew helps us to see our Savior King more clearly and through his gospel, learn to live well in his, in Christ's kingdom today. So grab a cup of coffee, open your Bible to the gospel of Matthew, and let's learn about our Savior King and his kingdom. Bible to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew 7, as we continue our study through the Gospel of Matthew in this series that I've entitled The Savior King and His Kingdom. And we're in this section of Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. And so we'll pray and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, as we take this time this morning to get into your word, Lord. We, uh, it's our prayer that your word would get into us, especially in today's topic. One of the most important topics, apart from salvation, uh, faith, you know, through faith in Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in that, that this topic is just so vital for a, a, a vibrant life in Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help your word get into our hearts that, Lord, that we might be able to commune with you the way that you, you created us for and that you desire for us for our good, Lord God. And so I praise you and thank you for this time and this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. So many verses of the Bible are pretty well known. You know, if you, you know, we, we start talking, I read it to you. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I, 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 I know that verse. I've heard that verse. Hey, JJ, nice to see you, brother. <laughs> Sorry, shiny thing. Um, so, you know, so there's many that are very well known, but very often those famous verses, those familiar verses are misunderstood, misapplied, or misinterpreted. And, and this is very true in especially the first verse that we're going to look at, but in other verses as well. So I'm going to read the whole text that we're going to go through today. It's not very long. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll go back and break it down. So we're in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. So Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to, our, to those who ask him? So our topic for today is prayer. And there are some who take this verse out of context and then presume upon the grace and goodness of God and suggest that if you do enough good works, like giving to their ministry, that's to, their, to them, that's an excellent work, and you keep praying, then God will give you anything you want. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be cool if that actually worked? It doesn't. 
God is not a celestial slot machine. You can't just keep dropping in coins and pulling the handle, and then one day you're going to get a jackpot. That's not how it works. Prayer is not a blank check that God gives to his people that they, could, that they his people, can fill in the blank and that God has to cash it. That's not how prayer works. We have no idea how miserable we would be if God gave us everything we asked for. If we only knew, oh, no, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Prayer is an expression of faith. It's our faith in God. It's our faith in God's word. And James tells us that faith does something. Matter of fact, if it is real faith, it must do something. He refers it to, uh, to works. Faith works. It, it does something. It, it does something good. And prayer is one of the key works of faith. If we have true faith, it is an evidence of our faith. Prayer is just something that comes out of what we believe about God and our relationship to him and his word. Now, prayer, in its simplest understanding, is a child of God speaking with their loving Father in heaven. And we don't have to make it any more complicated than that. That's all prayer is, is talking, having a conversation a two-way conversation, a child of God with their heavenly Father. Now, Jesus has a couple of things here to say about prayer, so we'll talk about them and, and see how the, some, some, of the, some in the church treat this as well as how we ought to treat it. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Now, Jesus uses three words here to uh, refer to prayer, ask, seek, and knock. Now, now I don't typically spend a lot, a lot of time talking about Greek. I spend a fair amount of time dealing with Greek in my studies, but we don't talk about it a lot because it's boring to most people. But the New Testament was originally written in Greek. Greekism is an amazing language. It is so much richer than English where, you know, we have a word, and it can, uh, this word can have different meanings, but all those meanings are tied in with that word. Well, in a Greek word, it carries so much more than that, so much wider and deeper and broader than that. And so when you're studying the Greek, you have to get into tenses and, and, and cases and just all kinds of weird stuff. Um, I'm still figuring it all out myself. But one of the things that, that, we, that we, we do when we study this, especially verbs, verbs are really important. And this, these three words that Jesus gives us, ask, seek, and knock, they're all in the imperative. And the imperative is in the form of a command. And so, and so not only do we hear these words, ask, seek, and knock, they're, they're not suggestions, they're not good ideas, they're not, they're, they're not, you know, three tips to a great Christian life. They are commands from God to his people. God says, you will ask, you will seek, and you will knock. That's, if you want to be one of my kids, that's what you do. 
It's a command. It's not something we volunteer for. It's not something we should do. It is something that is absolutely required of us. Meaning, if God commands us something, that we're going to stand before him someday, and what's he going to ask us about? He's going to ask us about our prayer life. He's going to say, hey, did you spend any time communing with me in prayer? And remember, it's just about talking to dad in heaven, father in heaven. Now, be reverent, you know, but be, 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 be familiar enough to be bold in your prayer, but also be reverent as you're doing it. So we, we understand that these are, these, are, these are commands to us. It's not something we just, you know, maybe if you ask us fair time, you know, you, you know, you know pray around your meal or something. You know, that, 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 you know. No, he's saying more than that. And, and, and what we, one of the things we need to understand, when God commands us to do something, it is always for our good to do it. God never commands us something that's bad for us, right? Does that make sense? A good God will never command us to do something except that which is good for us, right? Does that make sense? So when God commands us to do something, he's not trying to hide something. He's not trying to deny us something. He's not trying to withhold from us some good. He, in fact, is trying to, he's trying to bring us to good. And he does it, one of the ways he does it is through his commands. Now, these three words are also, all three of them, in the present tense and the active voice. And what that means, again, getting into the, the Greek, is, is that means they're for now. And, and the active means they're now and continuing. So we're commanded to do this and to continue doing it. And so prayer is something that we ought to develop a regular pattern of. In fact, Paul would suggest it should be very regular. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, uh, Paul says, Rejoice whenever you feel like it. No, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. You know, the idea that we have this, this regular dialogue with God that when, our, when we're not in the midst of doing something, our mind is occupied with something, that, that, and that when our mind gets into that place where it kind of shifts into neutral almost, it ought to be looking straight up to heaven. And, and having, a, having a dialogue with God, or you get to, you, you're, you're going through something, you get one of, those, one of those decision points in life, should I or shouldn't I, you know, this way or that way, this, you know, whatever it is, that, that you're, you're, you, don't res, you, don't res, you don't step back into your own mind, your own heart, and your own understanding, your own experience, but you lift your heart up to God and say, God, what do you say about that? That there's this regular conversation going on between you and God. Remember, it's not about some religious exercise. It's not about, you know, praying the rosary or the, or the whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. Praying, you know, the, you know, praying the Lord's Prayer or, you know, some ritualistic practice. It's about just a simple dialogue between you and God. God, here's what's going on, which, of course, he always knows that, but you still have this conversation with him, and, and he loves that. God loves talking to his kids. Yeah, I, you know, being a grandfather, I have like, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, being around small children, you know, Harvey is five, he's my, the, one, the youngest one that's really close to me, physically really in proximity, and some of the things he says, like, I'm like, dude, where did that come from? You know, I just like love hanging out with him and talking with him, and he says these unusual things, and it just like challenges me, and I, I it just, I, I, it, I love it, and I can imagine God 
who is perfect and holy and loving and good. Imagine when we bring our silly little things to God. I think he, I think he loves it. Even when we're dumb, <laughs> even when we're, we're just talking nonsense, God still loves to hear from us. He loves to hear from us. So this whole thing here, especially in verse 7, is speaking to us primarily about persistence in prayer. We ought to be persistent. We ought to be constant. We ought to be habitual about prayer. These three words also include some other aspects. and Really, there's a sense of ascending intensity of activity. Ask is, is an activity, right? All three, all three of those words are verbs. I mean, they're action words. They're doing, they are doing something. The first one is asking. And one of the things that it speaks of is, is hum, just the idea of, of humbling ourselves before the person we're praying to. That if you're going to pray to God, it's a recognition that he can answer your prayers. And you are praying to him because you can't. Right? If we could answer our prayers, would we pray? No, we wouldn't pray. If you could do what you are praying about, you wouldn't pray about it. You could do it, just do it yourself. But, but prayer, it, it implies humility. It speaks of humility before God, which God appreciates and respects and actually demands of us. To seek involves asking, but includes activity. That you know that you know that it, it involves not just asking, not just humbling yourself before God, but then doing something in addition to asking. For example, if you pray to God, God, I need a job. I don't need a job. I'm okay. So don't you know don't 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 take anything from that. But if it, you know I need a job, and then you just sit back and wait for God to answer your prayer, are you going to get a job? Mm, probably not. What would he call you to do? He would call you to seek, right? He'd call you to do, be active. Do those things that, that put you in a place where God can take the, 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 the providential stuff of life and actually give you what you're asking for. That if you're not moving toward, if you're not seeking that thing, then you may not get it. I mean, you can ask and just hope that God will you know, somehow drop something into your lap, you know, supernaturally. Can God do that? Yes, he absolutely can. But he tells, he commands us, ask, seek, and knock. So seeking is important in our prayer life. We need to, we need to be seeking that. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm struggling in a relationship, subject, for, again, using an example that doesn't actually apply to my life, you know, if I'm struggling in my relationship with my wife, then uh, uh, God fix my relationship with my wife. But if I'm not doing anything to fix my relationship, if I'm not trying, if I'm not seeking to fix the relationship my life, with my wife, then, then, then you know, I'm, not, I'm not doing everything that I, that I can, the part that I can, because there's a part that I can, and then God does the rest, right? God is able, but he does involve his people in their daily lives. He, he doesn't want you just to sit around and wait for him to do everything, right? You know, how many parents have had kids that, you know, that's, that's what they expect of us, you know? That's, that's not, you know, we don't, as parents, we don't appreciate it when they do that. Get involved. Knocking includes asking and activity, 
plus perseverance. Knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. You keep at it until something changes. And so the main message here in verse 7 is all about persistence, about, about engaging in this activity that we have with God, but doing it in faith because, because the Bible says that if we pray, that we ought to believe that God can answer our prayers, right? Does that make sense, that we should believe that God can answer our prayers? Because if you're, if you're praying and you're not sure, I don't, I don't know if God can answer this prayer. I, I don't, I don't, that's not the, actually, that's not the most common one. The most common one is I'm going to pray, but I'm not sure God wants to answer my prayer. Oh, that's not right. That's not right. God always wants to answer your prayers. The problem is not God's desire. The problem may be your prayer. What you're praying for might actually be wrong, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But God always wants to. Why? Because he's a loving father. That if you, pray, if you pray for bread, he's not going to give you a rock. If you're, praying, if you're praying for fish, he's not going to give you a snake. Somebody say hallelujah. Bo is thinking he'd like to have a snake. So, no. Okay. <laughs> you want more. Yeah. See, that's it. Yeah, I've got one. Now I want two or three or 12. Okay. The next one, the next verse is the one we like most in this whole, this whole section. In verse 8 where he says, for everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Again, this is saying that God is ready to answer our prayers. God wants to answer our prayers. God loves to answer our prayers. You know, it's so easy for us to pray when life is desperate. We can pray it, it, when, when something is not good, as, you know, a, a, a hard medical report, uh, you know, some sort of a financial setback, some relationship disaster, boy, we can start praying. And we might, we might be praying diligently during those times. The greater our material or, or physical need is, the more likely we are to pray. Problem is, material needs come and go. The things in this world, they, they, you know, they're a problem today, but they're not a problem tomorrow. You know, you know the relationships, they, they ebb and flow. Finances ebb and flow. Some of these things, they just go in and out and up and down and all over the place here one day, the next. I bet you if you thought really hard, you couldn't really think of more than one, maybe one thing that you prayed about 20 years ago. For those of you that are over 20, there's a couple back here that are just barely over 20. So, not. But, you know, we, th these things that we pray about often, they're, 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 you know, in a relatively short period of time, they're, they're not really... They're not important to us. Not that they're not important, but the issue isn't there anymore. The reason we prayed is not there anymore. It's our spiritual needs. Now those never go away. Our spiritual needs are the ones that will continue on and on and on and on. The problem is we don't feel our spiritual needs like we do the material needs. 
We feel it when our relationship is out of alignment. We feel it when we're not feeling good. We feel it when, you know, some struggle of some kind is going on. But we may not feel it, those spiritual needs. We're talking in this series through the, through the Sermon on the Mount about kingdom principles, about the, the reality that we are God's kids and as God's kids that we are, that we are a part of Christ's kingdom. That, he, that, that when we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we became a part of his kingdom. And now, now his kingdom is not manifested fully, materially in this world, but his kingdom is real. And we are, we are a part of his kingdom. And so the, so the goal of this text and the goal of this series is to remind ourselves that we are living in Christ's kingdom. Even though we can't really see it and touch it today, we are still in his kingdom. And there is a right way to live in his kingdom. Which way? His way. And that means we have to examine ourselves and ask ourselves the question, am I doing this the way that Christ would have me to do it? And if I am, great. If I'm not, okay, then we need to make some course adjustments and get on track because I want to walk according to the straight path that Christ has laid out for me. Because if I do that, then I experience all the good that he has for me. The abundant life, Jesus said in John, John 10, 10. I've come to give them abundant life. I think I'm gonna quote that later. I do that through walking according to his principles. And to do that, I need to focus on these things which are spiritual things. They're not material things. Now, the spiritual touches the material, right? The things that, the, the, the things that, we, do in the, that we do in the spiritual layer, the spiritual thing, the realities that we're practicing, they impact the material. You know, where does a piece of God come from? God, but isn't there a material aspect to it? To, to cast all my, you know, to, you know, to do not worry, cast all my cares upon him, you know, the prayer with, you know, in humility and thanksgiving, all these things that I do, I do those things, and the fruit of it is the peace of God. Now, there's a material, the spiritual, that then translates into the material. And, we, and so the, what, I believe God would call us to do is that we put the spiritual at a higher level than the material. That we care more about the spiritual things than we do the material things. But the material things aren't going to last. They're going to end. Yeah, we pray for health. Pray for healing. Right? Should we pray for healing? Yes. Does God heal? Yes. Is that permanent? Nope. God, God can heal. He has healed. We've, ex we've experienced. We've prayed. This church has prayed for healing. We've seen God do radical things, miraculous things. He does that, but you know what happens? Sometimes those people get sick again and die. Why? Because it's the material things. The material things are important, but they're not as important as the spiritual things. The, the spiritual things will go on forever. You know, you can pray and ask God for anything. Know that. There is nothing off the table. You can pray for anything. But not everything we pray for is going to move the heart of God to respond. Sometimes the things that we're praying for 
God is saying, eh, no, not going to do that. We should pray. We should pray for those things that God desires for us. What does God want for you? What does God want in this situation? What is God looking for in this? He's looking for in you, in your relationship, in your finances, in your health. What is he looking for in those things? Let me pray for that because if I pray for the thing that God desires for me, what can I expect? I can expect him to answer. And if I'm focusing on the spiritual, I'm focusing on those things that are eternal and and, and don't end, the reality is, is that if I, if I focus on those things, God may throw in the material right on top of it because that's what he can do. That I'm focused on the material I may be praying something that God doesn't want for me. That's really hard. And I've been in those situations where I've, I've been asked to pray about something and the Spirit of God says to me, well, yeah, I'm probably not gonna do that. That's hard. You know, the Bible tells us that God, God wants us to be holy, right? Is that a suggestion? Anybody know? Is that a suggestion? No, that's a command. How holy does God want us to be? As holy as he is. Whoa. That's like pr- pretty holy, right? Really holy. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, the material junk, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. All your conduct. Be holy, set apart as holy, set apart for God, for his purpose or his use, set apart, separated from the things of this world and set apart to the things of God, to the things of the Spirit. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. We are God's kids and we should act like God's kids. We should be holy because God is holy. That's a spiritual thing. Now, it manifests in the physical, but it begins in the spiritual because there are a lot of people out there that are doing holy things. They are, they are acting holy, but they're not attending to the spiritual realities of what holiness is. You know, Jesus dealt with those guys a lot. Remember the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees? Those were guys that practiced holiness, But Jesus said some of the harshest things he said in the Bible to these holy guys because they weren't dealing with the spiritual, only the material. Listen, if there is anything we should be asking, seeking, and knocking for, it ought to be holiness. That's the very first thing. Upon, it's upon that that everything else in our life flows. It's on a, a, upon the reality of holiness that all the other spiritual disciplines fall. It's on, upon that which then drives our attitude toward the material things and allows us to be able to pray in the kind of faith and the kind of boldness and the kind of, of, of consistency that, that we ought to be praying. Everything else connects to what God says and who God is, to the reality of holiness. Holiness, if, if we are holy, 
as holy as God is, or at least moving in that direction, all the rest of it starts to fall into place. Now, we should pray for the things we need. The Bible tells us to do that. But, but this is an exhortation to examine your needs and ask yourself the question, why do I want that? How will that make me holy? And ask yourself, and as we are praying, is spiritual growth high enough up on my prayer list? Do I put it somewhere near the top? Because ultimately, it should be pretty near the top. Because how long should you pray for, for you know, spiritual growth and holiness? Forever. <laughs> until we go to be with Jesus and he finishes the work that he's doing in us right now. Until he finishes it, we gotta keep praying, praying and praying and praying for holiness. Not only does this exhort us to pray with persistence for spiritual things we need, but also encourage us to pray with confidence. When we're praying for things we know God wants to give us, like holiness, we can be confident that God wants to give it to us. And he's gonna answer it somehow. He's gonna help us to be holy through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can be confident in those prayers. Now, we can't have that confidence with other things we pray, like praying for health, praying for healing. You can't have confidence in that. You can't say absolutely, unless God has spoken to you directly, you can't, you can't pray with confidence that God is going to heal you. Why? It's not promised to you. God did not promise to heal us. He did tell us that, and we can see evidence of healing all through the scripture, so we know he does it, but it's not promised to us. So you can't pray, you cannot pray with confidence unless God speaks to you directly. Now, when I pray for healing, I am praying in that, in that, in that reality. I'm, I know that God can heal, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not absolutely guaranteeing healing. Now, those who, who, who pray say, God will heal you. You know, if you have enough faith, God's gonna heal you. My problem with that, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Were there people that, that didn't get healed? Not when Jesus was around. He'd healed, he healed everybody because it was a part of his ministry. Not everyone got healed. And sometimes God doesn't heal for a reason. The, you know, Paul and his thorn in the flesh, he didn't get healed. Why? because God had something he was trying to do through that thorn that only could accomplish with the thorn. Jesus then gives us a practical example of this, verses nine and 10. <coughs> Excuse me. Or a man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? You know, here, here is one of the keys to effective prayer. God will give us anything we ask for that is good for us spiritually. If it's good for you spiritually, God's gonna give it to you. And you should ask for it. Now this is where the name it and claim it and prosperity theology ministries are in error. God knows that not all spiritual things, now, excuse me, not all material things are good for us spiritually that some material things are just not good for us. Now, now not, not universally, but individually. 
that if I pray for something, you know, if, if you know, David's praying and, and God answers his prayer and, and says, you know, gives him what he's at, oh, 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 oh okay, I'm going to pray for that now. If he got it, then I can get it too. Well, it might be good for David, but it might not be good for me spiritually. And just because it's good for us materially doesn't make it good for us spiritually. It may bless us in the material world, but it may curse us spiritually. And we've got to be careful of those things. We should praise God that he doesn't give us everything that we pray for. We should praise him for that. Because if he did, we would be spoiled, rotten kids. God is the only one who knows the spiritual impact of the material things that we pray for. And that means we have to trust him. I've been praying for a 1963 split window stingray cord. No, I haven't actually. I haven't been praying for it. But, e- but if I really want that, that, that exotic car, and I pray hard enough, I'm, I, can, you know, I can justify how I can use that to, to glorify God. I'm going to put a customized license plate on it. You know, it's going to glorify God. He knows things about me that I don't even know about myself. He knows things about me that, that, that if I were to have that, and I, I don't know that that car would, would matter in this context. I just use it as an example. But the reality, he knows things about me that if I pray for this material thing, it, it's a material thing. It's, and in the end, it's all going to burn up. And it might not be good for me spiritually. Part of praying is trusting that God knows what is good for you. Now, the spiritual things that he, that he tells us about in his word, okay, we know those are good for us. But all those material things, it might be good for you, but it won't be good for you. It might be good for me, but it might not be good for her. We have to understand and trust that God knows these things. Trust that God knows what you do not. Jesus closed this principle with an exhortation to trust God. Verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good thanks to those who ask him? Compared with God's holiness, the very best person on earth is evil in comparison to God. We, we have to understand that. You know, we, we like to think we're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. You know, you're, you're questionable. You know, we, we have these comparisons that we do, you know, and, you know, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, you know, politically, not, not in the church. You know, this is good, that's bad. You know, compared to God, there are no good. I, the, the, it, the very best person. If we were to imagine, you know, the very best father on earth, maybe, maybe Ozzy, you know, most of you are too young for that one. I went way back in the time machine for that one. You know, Ozzy and Harriet, Harriet days. You know, maybe, maybe if you were, you know, like him, you know, you'd be pretty good. But, then, but God is infinitely better infinitely better than the best human father. And when God uses, uses these extremes, God is so holy that to, compared to him, there, there are only evil 
people. Now, we, we are the only ones that judge, you know, you know, based on these different criteria that we use. But God's goodness is so far beyond that. We have to rest in the reality. God is so good and so perfect. He loves us so much that we can trust him completely. That we can pray knowing that he hears us. He's waiting to hear from us. And he'll take all of our prayers. He's not going to answer them all because sometimes we pray wrong, but he loves to hear from us. As believers, we are a part of Jesus' kingdom, Christ's kingdom, and our life goal should be to live in this kingdom in a way that glorifies God, glorifies God in heaven, blesses people on the earth, and grows faith, first our own, then those around us, including unbelievers. That should be our goal. We should you know, desire that more than anything else. And to, and to do that, we, we, we accomplish that through living out these principles, the Beatitudes, and then these principles that we're talking about here. As we live those things out, then we start to see the manifestation of, of those realities, of, the, of the, the fact that, you know, that Christ's kingdom is real. And we start showing that. We start revealing that in the way that we live. And people start to see it, and they want to be, they're drawn to it, or repelled. Some are repelled by it, but some are drawn to it. And to do that, we need to understand something that these principles are spiritual. And so when we're asking, seeking, and knocking, we've got to focus on the spiritual, even on the material things that we need. What is the spiritual reality of this material thing? Why am I asking for it? We, we, we ask, seek, and knock persistently. That means we're to ask and keep on asking. We're to seek and keep on seeking. We're to knock and keep on knocking. Until when? Until God answers our prayers. That's when you stop. You stop when God answers your prayer. And then what do you do? You start praying for something else. Or God changes your mind. God doesn't change his mind, but he might change yours. We must constantly consistently and passionately cry out to our Father in heaven for the things that we need, especially the spiritual things, the spiritual blessings that he's given us, the spiritual truth that he's shown us. We need to be praying for those, asking, seeking, and knocking, that they would become real in us. Because very often the material things that we're seeking, if we were more like Christ, it would change the way we feel about those things. Jesus says the Father wants to grant the prayers for those things he desires for us. So part of God answering your prayers is getting to know what he desires for you. What's his desire for you? At the end of chapter 6, as Jesus was telling us not to worry about the things we need, we, you know, we, we need to talk to God about those things but we talk to him as though we're talking to somebody who already knows what we're saying. When I go to God and say, God, I need this, he says, yeah, I know that. I knew that before you knew that. But it's more important that we're talking to him about these spiritual principles. And I would encourage you know, a prayer like this. 
You know, maybe something like, Heavenly Father, I know that you know what I need. And so I trust all of these needs that I have to you. But what I'd like to talk to you about now are my spiritual needs. What are these things that I need to work on so that I can be more like Christ? See, that's putting the spiritual things in a place higher than the material things. Does God know what you need? Say it like you believe it. Yes. yes. Is he a good father? Yes. yes. Does he give good gifts to his kids? Yes. yes. So when we say to God, okay, God, you know what I need. I trust you. I trust you to do what you want to do with those things. Do I need to tell him individually each one of those things? No, I don't need to. I would encourage you to, but not until after you've done this work right here. Where you've gone to God and say, God, I, I need to talk to you about some, some spiritual things here. And for example, the last two we looked at, worrying and a judgmental spirit, right? I mean, is that, is that not something that people sometimes wrestle with? Right? I'm, I'm sure nobody here, well, except maybe the guy that's nodding. Yeah, okay, yeah, that one's me. I got that one. You know, we struggle with some of these things. That's the kind of stuff God wants us to deal with. God, I, I, I worry. You know, I see the situation, and I can't control it, and I'm, that's a problem for me. What is God call, What are you calling me to do? I think you're calling me to trust you more. But I'm struggling with that, God. Help me to trust you more. Is that not the kind of prayer that God wants to answer? You know, God, I, I, I look at people and sometimes I like, man, that, that dude is messed up. There's something wrong with that guy. Something evil and wicked about him. Judgmental. Why, why did he say that? Why, why, why didn't she say that? And we, we think of all these scenarios around things and we're making judgments about people and, and, and seem to say in the last message that Jesus said you shouldn't do that. God, I think I have a judgmental spirit. And I think that I, I believe it's wrong. If it is, if I have a judgmental spirit, I think it's wrong, God. Help me to not be judgmental, to, to look at people as you look at them, to see them through your eyes. That's a spiritual thing. That's a spiritual thing that God does. He'll do in the material world. And as, I, as he changes my heart on, a, on the spiritual things, it will change the way that I relate to people. You know, you know, if I'm praying about worrying, I'm worrying too much. If I'm trusting him and, I, and I'm asking him to teach me to trust him and to help me to trust him, what's going to happen? I'm going to learn how to trust him. I, I believe that's exactly how it works. You know, I'm worrying because there are things I can't control, but he can. Do I trust him? I'm judging people because I can't, I don't know everything there is to know about everything, but he does. Can I trust him? And the answer is always yes. And then when, if we can get through the end of that, if you don't run out of time praying for the spiritual things, then take some time talking about the material things. He doesn't mind you talking about them as long as you're putting the spiritual stuff first. 
As long as you're dealing with the things that he's already dealing with, he's already talking to you about your heart, in your heart, you start dealing with those. You kind of just kind of, re, and I would encourage you, pray with your Bible open. And, and a really good one is the Sermon on the Mount. Pray through the Sermon on the Mount. Pray, you know, read a little bit and then pray. Read a little bit and pray. Read a little bit and pray. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit's gonna say, yeah, yeah, don't rush past that one. You need to spend some time on that one. And when you get to the end of that, then lift these things up to God that you need, the, the physical, material things that you need. He, he wants to talk to you about it. He loves talking to you about it. But in the process of you dealing with the spiritual things, you're going to approach those material things differently. And you may actually leave, start leaving some off that list. Now, there's certain things we'll always pray about. We're going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray for those that we love. We're going to pray. And we should pray for everything. Yeah, pray without ceasing. If you're actually doing that, you, know, you, need a, you need a long list of things to pray for, right? Pray without ceasing. Prayer is a powerful tool in the arsenal of a child of God. But like any tool or weapon, it must be used properly. And too often, churches, pastors are talking about what you get out of it. And the main thing you ought to get out of it is a closer walk with Jesus. That's the main thing you should get. If you're getting a closer walk with Jesus, all the other stuff is just frosting. It's, it's, it's the sweet stuff. It's, you know, it just, it's great, but it's not the main thing. It's not the cake. You know, although some people like the frosting more than the cake. That's probably not a good example. I need to think of you know, something. You know, there's the steak with the mushrooms. I don't know. Anyway, anyways, now I'm getting hungry. God is good, and he wants to do good for and with his people. And one of the, one of the tools, one of the, one of the exercises that he's given to us in this relationship we have with him is prayer. And it's, I think it is absolutely vital that if we don't have a real prayer life, it is diminishing our relationship with God. And anything that's diminishing your relationship with God is also impacting the world around you. Not the way you want. I, you know, I personally, we should, and, and, and just so you know, studying the Bible is sometimes such a pain. Because every time I study the Bible, I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that either. Oh, I go, yeah, I got to get my, I got to get right again. It's, I, every time I study the Bible, I see something that I could do better. I could be better. It's one of the reasons why I love studying the Bible because it shows me things about myself and prayer is one of those things. I'm a pastor. Do, do I pray as a pastor? Yes, but do I pray right? I pray I, very often after, after time goes on and I, and, I, and, I, and I didn't study a text like this. As time goes on, more and more of my prayer seems to lean into the material. It's just a natural thing. You know, I, you know, I've, got, you know I've got a long list of you know, I got, I got your problem, I got your problem, I got your issue, I got your thing, I got your want. You know, and I think about all these things, I start praying, I focus on that. We all do that. But a, a, a message like this reminds me, oh, there's something more that I, that I just got distracted from. God wants to do good to, for us, to, to us and for us. And this text is telling us that in faith, 
We need to ask and keep on asking. We need to seek and keep on seeking. We need to knock and keep on knocking. And if you do, Jesus says that you will be given, you will find, it will be open to you. And so the message for us all today is not condemnation, because, because, you know, if I were to ask, you know, how's your prayer life? Well, you know, I could do better. Well, yeah, of course, sure, sure, we all could. But do you sense in your heart a desire to be closer to God? That's, that's what he wants. It's not about you fulfilling some religious obligation to pray. God wants to talk to you because he loves you. And because it is one of the primary vehicles that he's given us to see the good that he has for us. Yeah, it's not about religion. It's not about, you know, doing something a certain way. It's about God wanting to be with you. That's a pretty radical thing. So, pray. Let's pray. And let's pray faithfully. Let's pray and ask and seek and knock and then just keep on doing it. And we need to do it persistently and confidently knowing that our Father in heaven is listening, and because he's a loving Father, he wants to do something. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, and we do pray, Lord, as we've, as we've prayed today, Lord, you know, as we talk today about this idea of holiness <clears throat> being really one of the foundational things of our faith, that, you've, that, that the, the holier we are, the holier we become, the more set apart we are to you, that the more of our life, the more pieces of our life, the more, the more of our thoughts, the more of our actions, the more of our words that are, that, are, that, that are lived out and done and experienced in our relationship with you based upon your word, the closer we become to you, that we get to that, that faith walk, that, that Christ-like walk, the, the more the more we can rest in you and trust you. And so I do pray for your people. I'm gonna pray right now. We have lots of needs, Lord God, but our greatest need is holiness. We need more of you, Jesus. We need to have more and more of our life set apart for you. And this is true for all of us, every last one of us. And Lord, there's nothing about this message that should be taken away as condemnation. Nothing about it that should feel like, like, like God's mad at us or upset with us. Nothing could be further from the truth. As a father, I know the greatest joy of my life is when my kids just want to be around me and talk to me. And I know, God, you're infinitely greater than that. And that you want to be around your kids. You want to talk to us. So, Lord, as we, as we take a time like this and we talk about prayer, I pray, Lord, that, that we, would, we would not focus on what we haven't done, but we focus on what we will try to do. It's your desire to have that intimacy and communion with us of a father with their children. And so I pray, Lord, for each of us that would feel that, that desire, that you would stir up that desire in us for that communion, that we would seek to walk with you, seek to commune with you, seek to talk with you, 
seek to be with you in all the things that we are and are doing. And Lord, only your kids can even think about those kinds of things. And so I want to take a moment and remind our, all of us that we need to check our hearts and make sure that we are actually children of God. Just because people are in church doesn't mean they're actually children of God. Just because maybe you've been here for a long time doesn't necessarily mean you're a child of God. God's kids are those who have turned from their sins and received Christ's sacrifice on the cross, received his forgiveness, have been washed clean of their sins by his blood shed on that cross for us. And so I pray, if there's anyone here or anyone watching online who has not done that, that you would help them to do that right this moment, that they would confess their need for God, their need for forgiveness, their, their, their understanding that without it, that they can't, they can't know you, they can't walk with you, they, can't, they, can't, they, know, they should know that you're not listening to them unless you're one, they're one of your kids. And so I pray. Help them to make that choice for you today. Lord, for all of us, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you would breathe new life into our prayers. That we would, that we would be anxious to spend that time with you. Whether it's just that, that moment by moment thinking of you or that, that, that time where we set apart, where we get alone with you and we, that we're you know, diligent to, to just take some time and just get alone with you and talk with you about the things you want to talk about and talk about those things that we want to talk about. You love hearing from your kids. And so I pray, Lord, anoint our prayer lives because I believe that if we will if you will breathe new life into our prayers and if we will respond to that life, that you can change the world around us because, just because we pray. Help us to pray, God. Help us to pray and keep praying. Help us to ask and keep asking. Help us to seek and keep seeking. Help us to knock and keep knocking because you are good and you give good gifts to your kids. We love you. We praise you. We lift this day up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us as we learn more about our Savior King and His Kingdom in the Gospel of Matthew. It is our hope that these messages will help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or there is anything we can do to help you with that, please do not hesitate to connect with us. Go to calvaryfv.com connect to find all the ways that you can connect with us. As Christians, we are all connected in Christ. One of the ways we would like to engage with you is in the area of prayer. Please let us know how we can be praying for you. Send us an email to prayer at calvaryfv.com or text the word pray to 951-419-5396. If this material has been useful to you, please share it with someone. Also, please pray that God would use these messages to help others find hope in Jesus Christ. You can also partner with us financially by going to calvaryfv.com give or text the word give to 951-419-5396. Until next time, 
go be radical with Jesus.